my dad was uh, in tears. <laughs> I remember the ambulance door opens and I see them standing right outside. And I just remember my dad taking one look at me and going, oh, John, like, oh no, Joanna. <laughs> Welcome to the Serendipity Stories. I'm your host, Isol Kim, here to share the beauty of life's most unexpected moments. In this episode, Joanna Califatis and her serendipity story begins 11 years ago, when she was just a 19-year-old college junior. Her serendipity came in the form of an unexpected brush with death while she was studying abroad in South Africa. It was just an ordinary day. It was just an ordinary day. I mean, it was like a beautiful summer Cape Town morning. Uh, I got out of bed at my host mother's house. I was anxious about getting uh, my homework in because I didn't think I'd done a very good job. <laughs> I remember that. I was wearing uh, blue jeans, sneakers, and this red soccer jersey we'd gotten in a Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo football club jersey. And I just remember walking out of the house like we had done every day for a few days up until that point approaching one of the intersections on the way to class because I was going to the last day of class before leaving on safari the next day with my cousins and parents. And I remember complaining to Alana because I was frustrated that my parents and cousins didn't seem to take the crime issue in Cape Town seriously. And I didn't, I felt responsible for them being there because they'd, they'd come to visit me. So I was, I was venting to her because I'm like, if anything happens, I'd feel so guilty and they're not taking it seriously at all. Joe vented about her family to her roommate, Alana, as she crossed the intersection. I can't, you know, I can't tell you 100% what happened that split second. I can tell you that out of the corner of my eye, I saw something coming towards me. I went to speed up a bit. I heard my name screened out like Joanna. I froze and then, well, and then everything goes black. As fate would have it, Joe would become the victim of an unpredictable freak accident. And now it was her parents' turn to be worried about her. Joe's parents are Greek immigrants who settled down in New York City with Joe in the late 90s. Like many other first-generation parents, Mama and Papa Califatis were very loving, but also strict while she was growing up. My only reference point, and I'm so sorry about this, about Greek parents is what I watched in, of course, my big fat Greek wedding. Horrible, <laughs> and I need to be more cultured. But what were your parents like and what were their parenting styles? Well, see, that's what's interesting. I love that movie, by the way. Love it. Um, I was an only child and a girl. So my parents were a bit overprotective, as you might imagine. <laughs> I mean, I love them to death, but we had a lot of fights growing up about their overprotectiveness. Joe's parents had high expectations of their only daughter. They wanted her to excel at everything, get good grades, do well in extracurriculars. Even though Joe always loved the arts, she settled on a more practical career path. You mentioned that you liked theater, um, but you decided to major in economics. So why did you decide to major in economics and did your parents directly influence this choice? Yeah, I did always do theater and a lot of creative things. But having the mindset I did when I went to college, I was like, well, I can't possibly major in theater. I have to major in something practical. I have to major in something I can work in later. My parents actually, strangely enough, 
I think would have been okay with a theater major. It was me that didn't have confidence in myself more at that point. Joe put her love for theater aside and decided to study economics at Columbia University. Econ, I started as more of a well, you know, I should practically know something about economics. But then I ended up liking the kind of analytical reasoning that went into it, so I decided to go with it. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I I like econ, but the whole time I was studying it, it did feel like that entire creative part of me, that storyteller part of me, was just dead. It wasn't that Joe was feeling miserable. It's just that she didn't feel a spark with her econ major. Then she found out about a semester-long study abroad program. Tell me about the study abroad trip. It sounded so much like something I wanted to do because I think it's so important, you know, to combine academic studies of what you're doing with actually immersing yourself in the communities you're supposedly working in. The program sounded adventurous and hands-on. Exactly what Joe was missing in college. She applied right away. A few months later, she was accepted, and now all she had to do was break the news to her parents. I call my parents immediately. I'm like having a fit in the mail room at that point. I'm so happy, and I hear my dad be like, "Ugh, Brazil, South Africa. Okay, we'll talk about it."、I'm、like, no, 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 no. I'm going. <laughs> Definitely was not their favorite. Nineteen-year-old daughters going to Brazil and South Africa, and well, but they understood how much I it was important to me and for what I was trying to do in my life. After the break, we find out what happened to Joe and how every parent's worst nightmare came true. Serendipity Stories is supported by Blind Experiences, a boutique travel company specializing in luxury holidays and honeymoon packages with a twist. Trust the expert travel designers to plan your next vacation in secret, so that every destination is a mystery and every day an exciting adventure. For more information, visit www.blindexperiences.com and enter code Serendipity for a 10% discount. That's www.blindexperiences.com. Serendipity Stories is sponsored by A Thousand and One Stories, named after the legendary Queen Sherazade from A Thousand and One Nights. One Thousand and One Stories is a luxury and ethical shoe brand for women who possess and admire strength and courage. Podcast listeners can get a ten percent discount by entering code Serendipity at www.1001stories.com. That's www.1001stories.com. Joe had never been so far away from her family, but she was having a great time. For the first time in her life, she felt free. She felt alive. That is until she almost died. Joe, do you want to listen to Alana's version of the? Oh my God, I would love to. I've actually never heard it. Remember, Alana was Joe's roommate in Longa, South Africa. They lived together in a plain one-story home with their homestay family. They walked to school together every single day. Here's Alana's account of that fateful morning. Joe and I headed off for school, and we had only、um, probably gotten a few blocks, and we were at at an intersection. But she was four step, five steps ahead of me at that time, and had entered the street. And I、um, looked to my left, and I saw like a combi taxi, which is one of those big white vans that's used as local transportation in 
Cape Town speeding by. And I actually saw that it was going to hit Joe and like called out her name. And she turned around to look at me, but it was at that point too late. Um, I don't think ever in my life I've let out like a scream (laughs) where I've been like scared or worried or anything like that. And I do remember screaming and her being lifted up. And I think she went 30 or 40 feet. Um, At the time, the driver had pulled over, you know, like the whole entire windshield was broken. And there was actually dents in the front of the um, car from her as well. I clearly remember that some of her teeth um, had fallen out and were on her shirt Um, she was moaning, all of her stuff had been like kind of strewn across the street and her shoes are at the point of impact. That was how I really could tell how far she had gone. Joe was just walking to class and completely out of nowhere, she got hit by a 12 passenger van. The driver was drunk. How does it make you feel, Joe, to hear more details from someone who was there and who's witnessed the whole thing? I mean, kind of crazy. I think I think I might have, you know, told you this, but I feel like in a strange sense, it, it might have been more traumatizing to see this accident rather than to be in it because you don't realize as much when you're in it. You don't like, you know, I didn't see myself flying 30 feet through the air. I know I did, but I didn't see it. When Joe looked down at her leg, she saw the sole of her foot pointing upwards and her knee pointing downwards to the ground. She was in a massive state of shock. I remember also in the ambulance that people were very concerned. And I think that's what was making me concerned, too, because I was seeing the concern the medical professionals had. (laughs) And I was kept trying to explain like a crazy person that I felt I felt fine. But of course, I felt fine because I was in shock with an adrenaline rush. I I wasn't fine. Um, it it was just a very weird, I mean, I mean, just to have everything shift in that one second from you're walking down the street, you're going to class, you're going to have a trip tomorrow, you're talking to your friend to you need major medical intervention and otherwise you're going to die. It's a very rapid, strange shift. But Joe was lucky to be alive. She managed to escape death with a broken femur, a punctured lung, several broken teeth, and a massive loss of blood. The ambulance finally came, and they're calling my parents, and my parents are understandably freaking out on the other line. And, um, uh, you know, I, I wanted to talk to them, but they wouldn't let me talk to them. I remember that. I, th- I think I didn't get to talk to them because I wanted to tell them I felt better than I'm sure I looked at that point. And I even told the nurse, I'm like because I had marks all over my face and blood and bruises. And I'm like, can you clean me up? Because I feel like my parents are going to be waiting at the hospital. They're going to see me and freak out. She looked at me like I was crazy, of course, because she was trying to take care of more important things than, you know, making my face look pretty. But (laughs) by the time she got to the hospital, wheeled in on a stretcher, Joe's parents were already there waiting for her. My dad was uh, in tears. (laughs) I remember the ambulance door opens and I see them standing right outside. Um, and I just remember my dad taking one look at me and going, oh, John, like, oh no, Joanna, uh, speaking in Greek at that point, obviously, cause he's emotional, <laughs> um, and just looking away and, and crying. And my mom, my mom being emotional, but my mom also trying to hold it together for me and my dad and herself. Joe began the arduous journey of recovery. 
The process was very isolating and the limited visiting hours in the ICU didn't help. This gave her a lot of time to think. You know, when you're 19, most people, myself included, think we're untouchable. Like nothing can really happen to us. And the fact that if the taxi had been going a little faster, if it had hit me in a different place, if I'd been facing it, for example, instead of sideways, anything, the fact that it could have gone so horribly differently wrong, um, I mean, that was definitely popping up in my mind again and again. And I started having this thought of it really could have all ended in one day. Everything could have ended in one day. And up until that point, I think I had in my mind that, like, you know, I'll do these cool travels I want to do later in life when I'm older and, you know, can do them. Maybe at some point I'll do, like, something artistic with acting when I'm, again, older or old, you know, just for fun, do community theater or whatever. I think it, you know, became more intense when I was put back in a normal hospital bed. Um, and I was seeing, you know, these movies and TV shows and I was just admiring these performances of these actors I really admired. And I'm like, you know what? Yes, this is really, like, I, I feel called to this. This is really what my heart is telling me to do, to go down a, this creative path that, you know, I spent my whole life up to that point acting and writing and dancing and singing. And it just felt like pure joy to me when I was doing those things. And yeah, in the hospital, by the time I got out, I think I'd made that decision. Joe stayed in the hospital in South Africa for over a month to recuperate with her family by her side. She returned to New York after her doctors cleared her to travel. It took her another three months to learn how to walk again. Luckily, Joe finished her senior year and crossed the graduation stage without a wheelchair or a cane. A miracle in and of itself. She did end up finishing her econ degree, but she kept the promise she had made to herself in that hospital bed in South Africa. Staying in New York, I knew it would have been so, it, it was my comfort zone. You know, my, my parents lived 40 minutes away in the suburbs. Uh, all my friends I knew lived there. And I thought, you know, if I'm really doing this, I have to take the plunge. I have to go out on my own, go far away. So why did getting hit by a bus make you want to go out of your comfort zone? <sighs> I would say... I mean, just because I realized that my comfort zone was killing me, honestly, and so that, not the bus, but you're so not the bus. <laughs> I mean, the bus could have very easily. <laughs> the bus could have very easily, but um, this is something I stand firm by to this day. That I think spending too much time in a comfort zone is a kind of death for your soul. It's a kind of creative death, and I don't mean like you don't need to. You don't need to be drawn to creative endeavors to do that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when people are too long in a state, in a comfort zone, you're in a suspended state. You're not growing. You're not learning. You're not challenging yourself. And I just realized in almost dying that day, I realized that the life I was living at that point was a bit of a half-life. And if that was going to happen in the future if, uh, I don't know, another bus was going to run me over because they like me, apparently. <laughs> um, I didn't want to feel that I was being taken out without having lived in the way I truly wanted to live. And what were your parents' reactions uh, <laughs> when you said, Mom, Dad, I'm going to go out to Hollywood and I'm going to try to make it as an actress? 
It's not what I first mean, generation parents usually want to hear. Their they were child say, yeah, they were what you would assume parents' reactions would be to that statement. <laughs> um, there was definitely some pushback, but we talked it out. And if they do see that I'm serious about something and I've thought it through, and it is really where my heart lies and what I want to do, they do, even maybe begrudgingly, but they do <laughs> support me. And I will say, they're extremely supportive. Fast forward 11 years later, Joe is now thriving in Hollywood as an all-star creative and entertainer. She was cast as the lead of a play in Los Angeles, she was in several indie movies, and she's also helped produce a major feature film. She's also launched a popular travel blog on the side. She is literally living her best life. It's been hard sometimes to explain because, you know, especially with something like acting, most people outside the industry believe that if you're not in a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, you haven't succeeded. Like, that's it. But explain to my parents that just because I'm not in a movie with Brad Pitt, it doesn't mean it's not going well. Like, I'm booking jobs, I'm making money. <laughs> it turns out there was another person affected on the streets of Longa that day. Witnessing Joe's accident changed Alana's life, too. Did you know that your accident changed the trajectory of Alana's life because it, you know, she's sl- slowly realizing, oh, maybe like social work might might make sense for me. And being there for you, being there for someone in a time of crisis, it made her realize her strengths. And so yeah. that's what she does today. And that's what she that's talked so about. Beautiful. I did not know that. That makes that warms my heart. <laughs> Alana is now happily working as a social worker with the tight-knit immigrant community in Minnesota. As for Joe, I had to ask her the big what-if question. Here's a million-dollar question for you. Uh, where would you be in life now if you hadn't been hit by a bus in the middle of Longa, South Africa? You know, that's such an interesting question because... I mean, because we, A, we can never really know. I, it's possible I would have started working in the field I wanted to work in originally in development economics and realized in two, three years that that wasn't for me. It's possible I would have stayed in it and maybe been generally okay with it, but kind of definitely not in the place I am now. Um, making this choice doesn't mean I never, ever experience like any doubts or any man, did I do the right thing? Like that's... I don't know a single person in life, even the most successful people in life, who don't experience doubts about where they are. But to go back to maybe um, that quote about getting up every day and seeing what you have to do today, I get up most days and I like what I have to do that day. And I don't think I would have been able to say that if I'd continued on the path I was on. That was Joanna Califatis from her home in Los Angeles, recounting how a tragic accident gave her the courage to pursue her Hollywood dreams. You can follow Joe's travel blog at www.losethemap.com. Special thanks to Alana Dahlberg. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Isol Kim. Ben Severance is our co-producer, editing and producing by Nora Kanidis Boydell. Don't forget to subscribe to Serendipity Stories and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at serendipitystories.podcast.